the chief, he's the one we all say hail to. My name is Matthew Kroll. And I once caught a fish this big. And my name's Joe Scott. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film Dave. And the voice you just heard, dear listeners, was of course not our intrepid New Zealander, Shahir Dowd, who is uh, currently away this week. I am joined, one and all, uh, by just a absolutely wonderful human being. He's a screenwriter and filmmaker turned YouTube whose, shows, uh, whose show Answer with Joe focuses on subjects including science, philosophy, history, and it's garnered over 1.7 million subs and also just one of my absolute favorite people to hang out with, particularly while wandering resorts in the Bahamas and photobombing odd photo booths at 2 a.m. Mr. Joe Scott! Yes. <laughs> Hi. I am all those things. <laughs> How you doing, buddy? I feel like I should be speaking in a New Zealand accent. I mean, accent, if you want but... to insult my co-host who is not here, by all means, do it. I feel like it would insult an entire country of people. Also fair. But, also yeah. fair. Uh, yeah. well, thank you so much for, for coming and, and, uh, and writing the good ship Dave with me here. I think this is the first time we have spoken where we aren't like by a pool or something. I, I think so. So we first, okay, well actually, okay, okay. So disclosure behind the the, the YouTuber curtain. Uh, Joe and I are bo both uh, part of Nebula, uh, which we've talked about on this show before. And uh, the first time I met Joe was at uh, a Nebula gathering. I think that was in Puerto Rico. I don't Maybe. remember if that was the first time or if we met at a VidCon. Well, so we did that. not. So here's the here's the here's the cool thing. This is what I remember about you, Joe, and I don't think I've actually told you this before. Uh -oh. We were at an uh, an opening dinner in like a a room or something where like catering had come in and we were like whatever. And yeah. I knew a few people, like I knew Patch and I knew Dave, of course, uh, but I didn't know many others. And you were the first new person to come say hi to me. And I've always appreciated that. You like came oh. up and you started talking. We started talking about channel stuff. And it was just, it was really not, like, you were the first like new Nebula person to like come say hi. And so thank you for that. I actually very much appreciate that. And I kind of like put me at ease for the rest of the trip. What a remarkable thing because I'm terrible at approaching people that I don't know. I'm I'm so like the guy at the party that just kind of like stands in the corner and hope I look interesting enough for somebody to come talk to me. You did. And, and look, I don't know if it was uh, happenstance. Like, I think we were both like heading for the the food line maybe at the uh, same okay. time. But you yeah. brought you 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 were the you led that dance. Good, sir. Uh, <laughs> and I really, really like that. Um, that's cool. Yeah. So uh, real quick, for, for those who are not familiar yet with your fantabulous work you do, what what is what 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 type of show you make, sir? Uh, well, I still call myself a science communicator, though I've been kind of moving more into mystery content and mm -hmm. storytelling type stuff. Mm -hmm. um, they've just been performing better in the algorithm and whatnot. And I think it kind of plays a little better into my my story background sure you know? I, th I think that's kind of my strength even even if i'm telling science uh well stories you know it's like the one that just came out uh yesterday is about the oldest sound recording ever that's right uh, yes made. yep and uh, but even then it was like uh as i started researching it i was i was like oh the story of the guy who did this is actually really cool so I start like going into that story and the fact that he recorded these things and he didn't he never intended for them to be heard. He just wanted to like see the little squiggles on the paper and stuff. And yeah. then 
130 years later, some people found them and were able to create a computer algorithm to replay it. And it was like heard for the first time. And suddenly it was the oldest sound ever recorded. Like, that kind of stuff is interesting to me. So I, I try to lean more into story type content, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been loving your stuff. Actually, the one I just watched recently, it might be a Nebula exclusive. I don't remember it was on the Solder <laughs> Children. Uh, on the mystery side of things. So that that's a nebula first. So it's oh. going to come out next week. Oh, well, there we go. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, uh, that uh, that was a, a story that I had no idea about uh, and is terrifying and weird. Yeah. But uh, yeah. I, I do enjoy, I, I totally get, I totally get the algorithmic side of like trying to do, like it's that it's, I always go back to uh, the Kevin Smith film Dogma where right. Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, or is it, no, it's Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, I think, where Ben Affleck and Matt Damon are having the conversation, like, you, you do the main picture, and you do the picture for you. You do, like, you, like they go uh, back and yeah. forth about, like, like having, like, doing things that, you know, you know will hit, even if you're interested in them, but then also, like, the things that you really want to, like, the, I still need to watch, listen to the, or watch the sound one, because that sounds awesome. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a sucker. I actually own a phonograph that like it's a model phonograph that works, but you can actually change the the tip from like a, a a wooden tip to a metal tip and put like CDRs underneath it and speak into the the cone, and it uh -huh. will record your voice by scratching it into a uh, CDR on a CDR. Yeah, wow. uh, okay. It, it doesn't sound good, but like no. it's very neat and it's in that vein. Yeah, interesting. Um, but yeah, uh, you're doing videos on the first sound that eventually would uh lead us to uh, it's odd that that story that you just told leads us somehow through technology and the ages to dave <laughs> well it all ended with dave yeah no There's more no sound recording since dave it's all been silent film since then now what speaking of speaking of other films if there are any uh <laughs> what we like to ask people on this show before we get going so the audience can kind of get a, a a vibe of the type of movies that you're into what are and you can answer this in any way possible but like what are your cinematic proclivities do you have a couple favorite films that you go back to mm. uh what style of film do you generally gravitate toward like what's your what's your vibe man so okay um I'm going to go really roundabout in answering this question. I've been really bad about watching movies lately. I mm -hmm. think, I think this, this YouTube has just taken over and yeah. not just, you know, in, in terms of what kind of stuff I watch, I'm trying to not say the word content so much. Thanks, Patrick Willems. Yep. But, yep. Uh, uh, but, but no, like just in terms of just like the stuff that's on my TV in the background. And now that I work from home, that means there's no work hours anymore. It's just all work all the time. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, I don't want to put on a, a movie that I haven't seen in the background that I really want to watch while I'm like, you know, on my computer and double screening and stuff, yeah. you know, I really want to be able to sit and pay attention to it. And I just feel like I'm having a lot more trouble getting myself to just put everything aside and watch a movie anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I don't know if that's just a me thing or if that's a modern thing or what. It's not just a you thing. So I've, we've been doing this podcast for the better part of eight years and we do one movie a week for God, eight years. And it's and it's one of the I think this doing this show is the only thing that has kept me stap like stapled to it in that amount. Like I love film. I went to film school as well. Like I, you know, I thought I was going to be a director at one point. Um, and I find it very difficult to sit down to the point where sometimes uh, like I still am a big proponent of physical media. So uh, I sure, bought yeah. the, I bought the steel book of the Dungeons and Dragons movie because I really, really liked it. And I wanted to like own it and make sure I could have it. And I've been, it's been sitting on my shelf on my like coffee table 
uh, for two weeks. And I was like, I'm not doing anything right now. I'm going to put this disc in and sit on my couch and throw my phone across the room. Yeah. And for two hours, I'm just going to watch this thing. But it's hard. Like, there's too much stuff going on in our home office that we never leave now. Well, but so like what you just said is, is that, it, that I'm okay. It, I, I have to make it, a, I have to make it work. What is wrong with my brain that mm -hmm. everything has to be work or it doesn't count anymore? You know? So like, for me, it's like, I've been trying lately to, you know, and I'm trying to do it every day, but it's, that's really hard to do, but just, just make myself sit down and just watch a movie. Yeah. But, but I have to, it, it, I have to frame it. Okay. Here's why, because I'm trying to get some films made. I've got some old scripts that I've been like kind of getting out there and stuff. Yeah. Nice. And so, but, but like, I don't even know who the popular actors are anymore. I, I've been so out of it for that long. So like, to me, it's like, I need to start watching some movies as a work thing. And that's the only way I can get myself to do it. How pathetic is that? It's what not we pathetic, but it's terrible, isn't it? Like it's it shouldn't what we be do. work. It should be it should be entertainment. Yeah, I think I think there is uh maybe we can get some of the the psychology creators to get on this bandwagon <laughs> with us because uh there is there is a problem when your entire life is producing something. Again, we'll avoid yeah. the C word due to Patrick's work. <laughs> um but yeah, it's it's hard. Um the the interesting thing there is how, yeah, how do you traverse that in your, I mean, yeah, you are basically turning this one thing that, I would argue that film is one of the few mediums left that, like, not everyone engages with it like this, but, like, that does do more to demand the entirety of your attention yeah. than TV or internet content. Yeah. Um, now, I know, listen, I live in New York City, I go on the subway, and I watch people watching... Uh, <laughs> Dunkirk on their iPhone with no headphones there like it's like people engage with the medium however they're going to engage with it but I do think that they're they're, they're even though you know cinema's dying wait cinema's saved in the movies and like Tom Cruise did the thing and like then Oppenheimer and Barbie and whatever mm -hmm. like there is still some reverence about like a new movie in a theater uh, beyond mm -hmm. beyond the you know, uh, you know, critic or, or, or film lover perspective. It just, it feels different. Yeah. Um, but finding time. Yeah. The trick is the terrible trick is finding the reason you can turn your leisure. You can justify your leisure because you'll make something out of it. Yeah. You got to gamify your, your leisure time, which it feels like you shouldn't have to do that. But I think that's just kind of where we are now. It's where I am. Joe, all you got to do is switch to gaming content and then you could be like me and play Baldur's Gate 3 for 10 hours and be like, this is research. This is what that is. Got my controller. There yeah. it is. Love it. Not that I can play. I still don't know how to like move the character and the camera at the same time. Listen, I don't have those skills yet. We're going to get I saw that that's a PS5. So we're going to connect after this so I can get your, your username <laughs> on there. Um, but so when so let, let's even go back then when. When you did have, when everything was not the C word, what films <laughs> what did you films? tend to gravitate toward? Yeah. Um, comedies generally yeah. are my, are my go-to. Um, whenever anybody asks what my favorite film of all time is, I always say it's, um, so I married an ax murderer. Nice. Nice. It's not the best movie I've ever seen, but if I'm ever having a bad day, I can put that movie on and, and it changes my day, you yeah. know? And, and that's, what else can you ask for from a film? By the way, you were talking about physical media earlier. Mm -hmm. Funny you should say that. I don't know if you can read my shirt. 
but Lane can Meyer. you tell what the shirt's from? Oh, God. It's uh, Lane Meyer, K-12 Championship, 1985, Defender Statute. I don't know what that is. John Cusack? Oh, God. Something's itching at my brain. <laughs> <laughs> Better off dead. There we go. God. Nice. Do yeah. you own Do you own that that film or, or um, just, just paraphernalia? <laughs> no, I, I happen to somehow, I have two copies of that DVD. Uh, but here's the deal. It's not streaming anywhere. And that's the other part. Yeah. Yeah. You literally, like, not even on like Apple TV, you can't even buy it. It, first, I don't know why. It's just not available to stream. There's a lot of there's a couple films like that. Actually, weirdly enough, Dogma uh, is one of those oh, as yeah. well. Though that's tied up with the Weinstein estate. Uh, and a, but a lot of these a lot of these films you can't get is due to like odd licensing tangles, which means a lot of them are available. You might want to check this. Are available just on YouTube as a, like un, unsolicited version. Like uh, they're they're not legal. But no one knows who owns it, so no one's doing the claim. Uh -huh. Like so, like you can. I think there's like three or four versions of Dogma, for instance, that are good quality that you could just watch on YouTube. <laughs> so, but comedies. I haven't found Better Off Dead on there. But yeah, never know. Yeah, um, but but when you're talking about like the what just was it the there was some movie that just came out in the on like Max or something, and they shelved it after a month, and it's just like you just can't find it now. It's like we're gonna we're gonna get we're entering a new era of lost media, of yeah. movies that get made and then go out on a streaming platform and are never seen again. Thousand percent. Uh, Disney's doing it with that kids movie that was that sci-fi one. I think it was called Crater. Uh, that might for, be what I'm thinking of. Yeah, for yeah. two weeks and gone. Then you have mm -hmm. the tax write-offs of like uh, Batgirl, obviously when mm -hmm. that got shelved, and like and we're even seeing it. It's funny because eventually, and we talk about the strike here all the time, the WGA and the SAG after, and we sure. support those folks uh, very, very intensely. The 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 they're even pushing the releases of movies back. Dune's now Dune Part Two is now March twenty twenty four, I think it was, and they're like WB specifically, uh, a couple other studios are all sliding their rosters back because I they can't do press junkets. For them, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm just—they're just kicking the can down the road to a problem that they could very easily solve if they paid the people that made their. Yeah. their if their only work. there was a way to solve this problem. Oh man, mm. that didn't involve threatening yeah. to wait until people lose their homes. Um, yeah, what if AI can do it? Yeah, <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> I did watch your. I, I I don't know if this was a bonus thing or if it's on the YouTube side of things, but on Nebula, I did watch your like AI tool trial thing. That was were, a Nebula only. Thing, were yeah. you tested it? Were you tested them all? Uh, that mm -hmm. was a really, really fun thing because I, I'm so out of the loop on like all of the the implementations. I, I, I yeah. engage with AI on more of the, uh, I won't say, I would dare say, philosophical, but uh, you know, theoretical uh, yeah. platforms. Yeah. But yeah, AI That's is really going to. We could go down. What was that? Yeah, I know. We, the AI is totally going to save the film industry, except it won't, yeah. and it will crash and burn. Um, okay, so comedies are really kind of where you vibe. What then, I mean, obviously Dave is a comedy, and when I asked you to be on the podcast a little bit ago or if there was a film you were passionate about talking about, uh, this came up, I think, pretty quickly. I had literally just watched it. I, oh, okay. I, it, I, don't, I don't remember where, what streaming service I saw it on or whatever, but it was one of those like, bloop, bloop, bloop. Oh, I remember that movie. Yeah, I love that movie. And I just played it and watched it, and then it was kind of like, I forgot how much I love this movie. Yeah. And, and so, like, literally two days later, you said, do you want to be on the podcast? I'm like, how about Dave? Yeah. 
because because like it was just kind of still in my head. I'm like, it's kind of a forgotten gem. You never hear about it anymore. I I knew it existed, and I knew the very rough pre- uh, premise, and that was Kevin Klein's the president. That's the only thing I yeah. knew going into watching this movie. Um, and so when you had suggested it, many people had told me that it was excellent, and I it's it's one of those things. It's one of those. Um, Again, another kind of dying art form uh, because this was released in, what was it, 1993. Uh, and 30 years ago. My I God. know. Well, hey, look at that. We're, uh, it's, the, it's the anniversary. It's the anniversary <laughs> of Dave. And actually, we'll, we'll get into actually something that we'll talk about near the end. Uh, sort of tying this film uh, to the current day is really interesting. Um, yeah. But speaking of comedies, and it feels like is even uh, so, I married an axe murderer might fall into a category like this, a, a genre of film that is well and truly dying, if not uh, dead and needing to be resuscitated, if possible, yeah. is the mid-budget comedy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this had a budget of twenty-eight million dollars, uh, and Dave eventually, by the end of its uh, run, uh, had a, a worldwide uh, box office of sixty-three million. So it definitely made its money. Uh, tripled it at the very least almost um i math good but the 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 interesting thing <laughs> well, about hollywood math is not real math of course i yeah, mean yeah. you have to factor in the the marketing budget and all that yeah, too but, a thousand yeah. percent but like the the concept of the mid-budget comedy is either not being made anymore because theaters want to show blockbusters or the next yeah. marvel thing or whatever which that is of course people are getting sick of that as well but or it's relegated to uh, the streaming platforms, which is not bad. And there's been a few comedies across uh, across Netflix and Hulu and a couple other places, Max, that like I've enjoyed. But I do really miss, I miss going to the theater mm-hmm. to see a movie like of this scale and like style, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to remember. What was, there was a Jennifer Lawrence film that just came out. Uh... I'm looking it up right now. She, it was like, oh, no hard feelings. That was the first one of these in a long time I saw get like a pure theatrical release. Um, and it was a Dude, script. I, I, I don't even, I never even heard of it. It's okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but basically it actually plays to sort of what you're saying. You're talking about how you're trying, you're like going back to your old script vault and like moving things yeah. forward, trying to get that direction. Right. So uh, this is a script that uh, I guess one of her friends and or writing partners, I don't remember entirely, like they had looked at, years ago like like years and i think 11 or 12 years ago and finally uh i think the guy came back to her was like do you just want to like do this and she was on a basically like a hiatus for acting and she's like yeah this is the funniest thing i've ever seen and like wanted to wanted to do it so and that movie apparently was doing uh you know did fairly well so but yeah i i miss these style the style Mm -hmm. of film quite a bit um so so part of me when when the streaming services came out because comedies were already kind of dying and like the mid the, the mid budget comedies that you talk about, like it was it was already kind of on its way out, and then the streaming services came up, and I was like, maybe this will be the saving grace for that style of movie because um, it's not as big of a risk maybe to just kind of put it yeah. out on streaming and whatnot. But um, but now it's well, first of all, it didn't really pan out that way. There haven't been a whole lot of good ones that have come out, and and I I'm curious your take on this. I kind of feel like comedy is just better in a crowd. Yeah, it's just better to sit in a theater with a bunch of other people and laugh along with other people. And a lot of times, like maybe you don't even fully 
maybe you're like halfway on the joke, but the entire crowd erupts with laughter and you're like, oh, like it just kind of, you know, we're social animals. We're, we, it's kind of triggers something that, that makes it funnier to us. Yeah, no, I a thousand percent agree with that. There is a collective vibe for comedies, particularly. Obviously, the emotional catharsis you get with a good audience in a theater is can be like a transcendent experience. Like weirdly mm -hmm. enough, even though it is a juggernaut, I will put Barbie into this category. Like it's not a mid-budget comedy by any means. Like this is something that is is a lot of money and mm -hmm. and, and energy was put behind uh, more so than something like uh, Dave back in the day. But they like that sitting in that theater when something was funny, everyone laughed, and you felt yeah. like you were part of something. When something was emotional, everyone cried. You felt the connected catharsis of feeling those emotions together. That yeah. is where the cinematic experience sort of like lives and dies. And with comedies in particular, I noticed that it really kind of just turns into an action comedy. Like it has to be something else if it's going to be in the theater now. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, you could say the guardians is technically a comedy. Sure. But it also but, has space lasers and a ton yeah, of action, yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Dungeons and Dragons, kind of a comedy. Uh, I did not see Cocaine Bear, and it sounds like a joke, but there's a lot of gore and action in that, I imagine. I'm just scrolling yeah. down a bunch of comedies now that they're sort of like on the list. I know Hulu released something called Vacation Friends, and there's a sequel out now, which apparently mm. is, uh, the first one is pretty good. John Cena's in that one. Um, but yeah, uh, a lot of stuff is either unceremoniously dumped onto this thing or just, or just like feels like we get... God, I'm just looking at the schlock now. Like on Freebie, we have Puppy Love and like uh, the Bank of Dave. I have no idea what that is. Oh, interesting. Um, regardless, Dave's a banker in that one. Yeah, he's I been missed... demoted from president to banker. Yeah, well, he needs help with the budget. You see, Joe. Uh, uh, yeah, right. Which happens in the movie. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I so I was very, 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 very happy to visit a style of film like this. Uh, what we do here, Joe to kick us off when we talk about these movies is I like to, so we can prime the audience. I like to read what the internet movie database says the film Dave, the 1993 film Dave is about. Uh, and it is as follows. An uncanny presidential lookalike named Dave is recruited by the secret service to become a momentary stand in for the president of the United States. That's accurate. That that feels yeah. correct. Uh, doesn't give too much away. I did not know that is what happened in this movie when I was starting to watch it. Uh, I didn't know if it was going to be like a redemption story of a of a dick president played by Kevin Klein. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, All you knew was Kevin Klein played the president. Played the president, and yeah. then like it's funny because when it when the movie starts, I I think we see him as the actual president first being kind yeah. of a dick. Uh -huh. um, and then is it, is it when they land on the white house lawn and he's got the two dogs? Yes. And Sigourney Weaver's his wife and she's yep. on his arm and it's the whole pictures and waving and, and then they walk in and he just like throws the leash yeah. for the dogs. Like, like right away it's like, and then, and then they just kind of like split and go their separate ways. So you got this like in front of the camera's president and then behind the scenes, he's like this total dick. Yeah. And then the next thing we see is when we see the quintessential Dave, also played yeah. by Kevin Klein. He's at like a used car dealership and like being super happy. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, I didn't fully understand. Like, I was like, wait, is he like <laughs> moonlighting? Like, is the plot of this movie that like 
he's a he's a real bum show bummer at the White House, but like he gets out to the people and is like, yeah. And I was like, oh, oh wait, okay. no, that's not that's not what's happening. Here Took you a minute. Yeah, he rides out on a pig, doesn't he? I believe he does. He like out rides out to the microphone pig. on a pig, and yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and the Secret Service, I believe, witness him there, and that's sort of how he gets turned into this entire thing. He's brought on basically uh, to cover an affair uh, that the president is having for an evening where he should be going to an event, I believe, uh, with someone named Randy, played by Laura Linney. Uh, yeah, very, very young Laura Linney. Yep. Uh, some staffer the president's having an affair with. Uh, She's I, uh, hilarious in this, by the way. Yeah, it's very, very funny. Um, and it turns out. It's a little too much for for, for uh, President Mitchell. Uh, Bill Mitchell. And, yeah, and he has a heart attack while uh, <laughs> while Dave is basically impersonating him, and now Dave has to faux run yeah. the country behind uh, Kevin Dunn's Alex Reed and Franklin Jealous Bob Alexander as staffers. Um, Franklin Jealous, great. It's he. He's look. I've been a fan of Frank Langella. I know he he has some uh, some uh, opinions these days that don't jive too well on on one or two things. But uh, I've been a fan of his since the uh, and there might be actually I, I can't remember if there are actual allegations for some things on him as well. It, it I yeah. it anyway. Regardless, he was Skeletor <laughs> back in the day. Do you remember the Masters of the Universe movie? Oh my god, the one with Dolph Lundgren. In yeah. It? Oh my god. Wow, Have you seen like that, that film? If I have, I might have been 10, you sure. know, like a long time ago. That movie stuck with me, as everyone who listens to this show knows. And the way that Frank Langella plays Skeletor, he's in a different movie. Like, he is just, like, Shakespearean terror. Like, <laughs> and everyone else is Dolph Lundgren. Like, it's real weird and off-balance, but I love it. Like, it's the perfect movie villain, so I'll always it's, remember. It's like uh, Michael Caine in A Muppet's Christmas Carol. Yes, yes. Where he's playing it, like, so straight and serious, and it's surrounded by Muppets. Yeah, uh, to the point where, like, you notice nervous affectations that Skeletor has. Like, like he'll repeat everything twice under his breath when he's trying to be menacing. Like, uh, oh, like okay. he's like, yes, let them rot. Uh, let them rot. Like it's like, oh god! Like he's like, I don't know. It's real. It's worth the price of admission alone for that performance. So seeing him here, also as a uh, a villainous character, as we mm -hmm. we learn, uh, was interesting. Um, we also have Ving Ving Rhames, Ben Kingsley, Sigourney Weaver, as you mentioned. Uh, just a lot of folks I wasn't expecting to see in this yeah. film. I think this was Ving Rhames' first like real like role. Was it? I mean, he might have popped up somewhere else before, but that, I think it was after this that he started to like really have a career. Let's see. Let's see. Scro we're scrolling down the Ving Rhames filmography right now. And if I if I if I may, I think he kind of steals the movie. He's it, quite good. They don't give him enough screen time, but he is yeah, but excellent. The screen time the that he has is great. Well, he, he, he's got he's got the one line that like brings a tear to my eye every time. Yeah, yeah, near near the end. At uh, the end, yeah. He he was in a couple things, uh, but I don't know if as large of a part. I'm looking at like it was mostly some. Uh, oh no, he no he was in a decent amount of stuff. I think beforehand. Oh, well, okay. Um, Maybe I just didn't know who he was before. Yeah, then. but no, uh, it's funny because okay, so this movie is obviously a comedy, and it's uh, it simplifies the situation down that we are in, having to impersonate the president. Uh, to and again, the staffers, particularly Frank Langella, want to maintain the the 
the ruse that Bill Mitchell is uh, in charge, and they tell Dave, well, it's because the vice president is unhinged and we can't have him yeah. take command. Like, it would be bad for the country. So yeah. that's why Dave agrees to do it. And Dave himself is just a goofball who works at uh, an unemployment office? Yeah. Yeah. A recruitment office. A recruitment yeah. office. And you see a little bit about that of him in the beginning. So you throw this yeah. sort of every man into the role of the president, and then not only does wackiness ensue, but then sort of the central tenets and messages of the movie kind of come out. Something that struck me was like, there's a real, this isn't surprising, but there's a real underlying hatred of politicians in this movie. And I was, again, to, I wasn't paying attention really to that much politics in 1993. Sure. Uh, how old was I? 11? Uh, I don't even know, but the, like, obviously currently all we actually ever think about, maybe it's cause we're adults or maybe because the world is more on fire. I have no idea. Yeah. All we think about is the political ramifications of what's going on and the politics of everything. And so to have this sort of, uh, comedy basically be punching at that establishment in 93 kind of reminded me a little bit that like, oh, like, no. Everyone is unhappy with politicians across the board consistently uh, throughout not only America, but history. Always. Yeah. 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 Um, but, but there were also a lot of politicians in the movie that had little cameos here and there. Were there? I'm trying to remember. Oh, yeah. Um, well, of course, we don't know them now because they've been out for a right. while. But Tom Harkin is one that stands out in my mind. I think he was an Iowa senator. Okay. Uh, Tip O'Neill showed up at one point. Oh, yeah. The cameo I remember, not a politician, was Jay Leno. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's a lot of like the the late night people like, what? what's yeah. going on with Bill Mitchell? Yeah. Do, yeah. do many Happy Meals? Too many Happy Meals. Side note, if you want to, uh, before finishing this podcast, if you actually go watch the trailer, like the original trailer, back when trailers kind of, in a comedy like this, they don't show you all the best parts, but they show you the entire plot. Like uh, it's like they'll they'll you could get through and be like oh, okay I understand what's going on if you just go watch the trailer that uh, line is in the trailer Jay Leno is in the trailer probably still has the um oh, what's the guy's name the trailer voice guy oh yeah a thousand Don, percent Don Lafontaine yep Don Lafontaine. I believe that is a Don Lafontaine joint yeah. but uh, our listeners can email us in and correct us if we're wrong at uh, <laughs> onlymoviepodcast at gmail in a world yeah <laughs> but it's the kinder version like meet Dave. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, a lot of organ grinder, a lot of early 90s organ grinder music. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's basically it. Um, although, then, uh, they do go into the trailer. There's a part you're, from your quote in the beginning I once caught a fish this big is when Dave is touring the country and doing presidential things, and yeah. he's in a factory putting his arms in like machinist things that control giant hands so he's going i once got a fish yeah. this big and then he he, he starts uh singing louis louis i think yeah in it. yeah and i couldn't remember if in the actual film the workers started singing with him or not but in the trailer they do and it sounded like some adr nonsense like he's going louis louis and then like all the like there's a shot of workers that it sounds like adr them going oh babe like like this weird <laughs> thing uh so they go into louis louis for i think the end of that trailer um i've not seen the trailer it so. is i think it they is, do sing along in the movie okay okay um i don't know what what did you think sort of like 
do you think, and again, coming from the time when we both weren't paying attention to politics, but do you think <laughs> this was in its moment, like effective satire or was just the governmental stuff kind of a backdrop mm -hmm. just to tell jokes? Like, do you think this was setting out? I mean, because like to, to, to basically ha say something bigger than its parts. That's a good question. Um, I mean, at its heart, it's a fish out of water movie. Mm -hmm. It's it's a regular guy getting thrown into the political machinations of Washington or whatever. I'm not sure if I use that word right. Machinations? Um, machinations. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> but uh, but it also like it 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 becomes almost like a Mr. Smith goes to Washington kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It's it's an everyman, you know, trying to, to to do the right thing to do the right thing in in a in a difficult place and uh, affect change. It, it makes you start to kind of question like what what would a normal person do if they were put in that situation and what you know like how how would they navigate those waters and and what would they prioritize you know like. When you become a politician and it's all about fundraising and it's all about getting into the next election and you got to see after the different donors and it's like it becomes this you know nasty web of interest that you have to you know finagle. Uh, they start to compromise their values and stuff like that, and you start to see him do that too in the movie a little bit, and then and then he has to kind of like go back to his old friend. Um, oh, what's the guy's name? Oh, uh, Bob, 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 Grodin, Bob. Charles Grodin. Yep, yeah. uh, Murray. That's the name of the character. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, but he's like, get out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> he knows. He knows yeah. that this is like, and that's sort of an interesting, you look at, at, at politicians today and very few are outside of that wheelhouse, some to very uh, terrible effect as we're currently seeing by uh, uh, someone who just can't stop winning. Uh, and then, uh, you know, a few others that's kind of are coming in, uh, from other sides of the political spectrum, et cetera, but most are career. And there's, it's funny. I don't think there's a, a show or a, a piece of media that illustrates this quite as quickly and effectively as I think there's a season five episode of community where like, uh, it's something about like changing a parking, no, uh, hanging up a whiteboard. They just want to hang up a, a, a post-it board for like job listings or something. And Annie uh -huh. wants to go do that, but she has to go talk to the custodians who then want IT to unlock the porn site that then want like, uh, well, IT is not going to do it unless they can move their car closer to the server thing and da da da, da And it goes yeah, all the way up yeah, and you yeah, kind of yeah. see like the way deals are made in politics is all just thousands of hand washings uh, mm -hmm. uh, that hopefully align. And with mm -hmm. something with someone coming in like a and again this in this particular film, Dave, it's a average man with a heart of gold uh, coming in and not yeah. being a, a psychopath or or a bastard who like <laughs> kind of just wants to help people. He brings in his buddy Murray, who's his accountant, I think, uh, yeah. to ballot help balance the budget outside of the purview of his handlers. Um, yeah. Uh, and that's sort of where the central conflict comes uh, when Frank Langella and co lose control over Dave and Dave is just like being a good president for people. Yeah. Um, he kind of realizes that, you know, I actually do have some power here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually the president and these guys can't do anything about it. Yeah. But m one of my favorite lines in the movie is when um, um, the other character is talking to Frank Langella and 
And he's like, I could have him killed or something like that. And he's like, you can't kill the president. He's not the president. He's a regular person. I could kill a regular person. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, that's Alan Reed played by Kevin Dunn. Uh, Alan who, Reed, there you really go. nice to see. Um, yeah, it, it, there's the 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 power struggle throughout the entire thing. And of course, the fun way it sort of ends is is really neat. I think this movie, though, lives and dies off of the people, as most do, but like sometimes, you know, things can transcend. I think this movie really lives and dies off of like the point in time that Ivan Reitman made this movie in his career. He's he so obviously a couple years prior, or actually a lot of years prior, he did Ghostbusters, Twins, mm-hmm. Ghostbusters Two, Kindergarten Cop. Um, actually, and something I didn't realize uh, was part of his filmography uh, that uh, it, you know just has a name, a connection to us uh, in name only. Uh, Legal Eagles uh, was also a film that I <laughs> I've been directed. Uh, we'll have to get Devin on to talk about that. Um, but no, like this is, he's sort of like a comedy powerhouse at this point. And like this felt the the reason why I kind of brought up, like, do we think this was trying to say something in the space and yada, 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 this sort of felt like, like all of his movies kind of do dealing with, uh, a real life human interaction situation. A lot of times it's bureaucracy, like Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. You could look at like sort of the bureaucracy of New York City. Uh, twins is sort of I, I, God. It's been so long since I've seen Twins, but like, isn't it like it has to do with like them? They Human find each cloning. other, but then there's something legal around it, right? Like, isn't there something? I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember all the details of that. This one either, is a but... podcast about two men who don't remember the movie Twins. Yeah, uh, and then Kindergarten <laughs> Cop could obviously be about how the education system works, and then obviously here is about the uh, how Washington. the political structure. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I think that I, Ivan is is such a cool like director in that thing. I'm just sort of going through his entire filmography here, and I know he's slowed down. And I think the last movie I saw of his, honestly and I wasn't too thrilled with it, was my super ex-girlfriend. I don't know what that film was saying. Um, um, but that was back <laughs> in 2006, and I don't know if I was looking for the deeper meeting behind Uma Thurman throwing Luke Wilson around. Um, <laughs> th- but, like, I don't know. I-, I think the care that he puts into this film and its direction and just sort of uh, turning simple elements into meaningful things is very effective and kind of timeless. Like, I never felt like I was watching an older 30 year old film. Like sometimes you'll notice instantly for many Mm -hmm. reasons, big or small, that it's not current. A lot of times it's the cell phone thing when characters don't have cell phones, by the way, stories are better when characters don't have cell phones. Um, There's so like, there's a whole list of movies where like there wouldn't be a whole story if cell phones existed. Yeah. Yeah. Although I think one, I think the president does talk in a car phone at one point in this movie, (laughs) which, but still, uh, well, but I mean, you would expect that the president would have technology that other people wouldn't have back then. Mm-hmm. That, of course, today everybody has. So right. it still kind of bridges that that time gap. Yeah. Um, but I, I like. I think that sort of speaks to the timelessness of this film's uh, effect. Uh, you, we can look at it now in 2023, and I don't know, man. I kind of. <laughs> In our current political situation, wouldn't it just be fucking nice if, like, Dave came in 
Like, if if the hypothetical, completely unrealistic man with a heart of gold and no possible issues came in and was like, hey, guys, why don't we, like, help people, like, a lot and, like, explain stuff and make things clear? And I know, again, it's simple. It's, it's, it's comedy. Yeah. It's dumbed down. Yeah. But I found myself wanting it. It was, it was, uh, it was an aspirational viewing for me, Joe. Yeah. But I think that was true back then, too. Yeah. You know, I mean, so, like, I, I think... <sighs> I feel like it is objectively, politically anyway, is objectively worse today than it was 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. But 30 years ago, they thought it was objectively worse than 30 years before that. That's the hard you part. Know? We don't have the, our, we have institutional memory, but we we don't have personal memory to f like really v judge that. Yeah. So like I was, I was in hmm, my late teens, early 20s in the mm -hmm. 90s. And I look back on that time now and it's like the music was so angsty and grunge and all that, you know, and we were all so like disaffected and angry about the consumerism, you know, and everything. But yeah. it's like, I, I look back on it now. I'm like, what were we mad about? Like the, that was the best decade. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> you know, like they always find something to just like be mad about. There is always, here, here's the truth of it. There was, in my opinion, there's always terrible shit going on in the world. Sure. But in the 90s, for better or worse, many folks were not as knowledgeable of all of the terrible things that mm. were going on. Especially, I, I would posit, in the bubbles that you and I uh, sort of lived in. Right? Like when we were kids. Sure. Yeah. I, I don't, again, I don't know your history. I don't want to... I don't wanna, uh, project but I, I can speak at least for myself like i definitely i was from rural new hampshire uh and uh i definitely felt all those things you were saying i'm like i i'd find the thing to be mad at and be angsty about i was a goth kid like i mm -hmm. i went hard in that direction but like all of the things that i was rebelling against were not important things even though <laughs> there definitely were important things going on in the world mine was things like you just said like oh man like consumerism like what does know. that even mean like yeah it's, it could be a problem but like ugh. so like reality bites i think is the perfect example mm. like winona writer's character's biggest problem is that the big tv company re-edited her art yeah and put it on their station she still has a career going on she still has like something that got put out and got seen by a whole bunch of people and everything but but it was the it was the integrity that's right that, like was 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 compromised and stuff and so like for gen x that was just like everything yeah was our we you know and so like uh it, it's funny to me now looking back that we we were so angsty about things when we just had no idea what was coming. Yeah. And, and I've, I've, I've talked about it. We're getting way off the movie. No, now, this, like... no this is the great part about this podcast. Please continue <laughs> down your thought. The whole point of this is not to like be like, and then Dave uh, falls in love with the president's wife. The point is to, 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 to continue the conversation that the movie starts. Okay, fair enough. We had a 10 year period between the end of the Cold War and 9-11. Yes. Where... I mean, I think there was like war in the Balkans. I'm not saying there was yep. no war in the world or anything like that. But like the biggest problem was that the president got a blowjob. You know, like that was the thing that happened. That 1995. Uh, yeah. A similar yeah. plot to Dave in an odd way, except there was no heart attack. <laughs> yeah, if he'd had a heart attack and it was a fake Bill Clinton in yep. there the rest of the time. Um, I don't know if I don't know if Hillary is a good Sigourney comparison. But anyway, yeah. Uh, 
By the way, she has the best line in the movie, Sigourney Weaver's character. Which one? When she, when the first time you see her speak, so she shows up at the beginning, like we talked about, and they're on the, the lawn, yeah. they kind of just go separate ways. And then she's going to meet Dave for the first time. And they're like, oh my God, is he going to fool her into thinking that he's the, he's the, he's Bill, the president. And she walks in, the guy's name was Bill, by the way. Uh, <laughs> but she, she walks in the room and the first thing she says is, why can't you die from a stroke like everyone else? Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, oh my God. <laughs> so that's what their relationship is like. Okay. We got it. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, but no, like, so sorry, going back, going back there, but like the nineties the was like this decade, like in between the cold war pre nine 11, where we, it was, you, you hear that, that, that sort of meme where it's like, there was a time when you were just playing video games and eating popcorn and you had no idea this was going to be the best night for the rest of your life. Kind of right, thing. right. Like we had no idea how good things were. Yeah. Not to I, say they were perfect. Of course they weren't, but you know. Compared to now. Yeah, I mean, and, and I personally, I could speak from, from my thing. I had sort of like the, and it sounds like this is sort of what you're saying. We had kind of the, the privilege of, of being able to live in that space as kids. Like, yeah. and yeah. and in our particular situations. And uh, it's funny because like, this is not the same, but now I'm going to tangent off your tangent. <laughs> I was having a discussion when, when, when talking about some gaming episodes that are coming up. Uh, actually, the discussion was on the breakfast talk show we do that's gaming and tech news called Extra Breakfast that might already be on YouTube at this point. I don't remember when it airs. We recorded this yesterday. And it was about uh, MMOs, massive multiplayer RPGs like World of Warcraft. Mm-hmm. And they're doing something interesting. They're breathing some life into it. I won't get into what that is. But I have been, my entire mid to late adult life, been chasing the dragon of the feeling of when I played WoW for seven years or so probably really the first three years is what i'm really getting at and that's this you have the bright amount of time in your life you're a college mm-hmm. student or you do whatever or you're working a job you don't really care about so you have a bunch more free time a little bit of disposable income and a bunch of friends that you can play that thing with right the, I, as an adult i'll never play i don't think i'm gonna play wow again I'm, i don't have time to play mmos anymore like i can't keep up with the joneses i can't be a part of a yeah. guild i can't do any of that but like we are always looking back at those moments when our in our life when like, yeah, everything was simpler, or at least we we were ignorant enough. We were we were cipher in the matrix eating the steak, uh, ignorance <laughs> being bliss. And like we want that. We want to feel that. And tying this all together sort of back to Dave, I do feel like this movie does a really good job of wish fulfillment. In that mm-hmm. particular like genre of time, we want a kind everyman to come fix all the bullshit and let us fucking sit down and play video games again and not worry about shit. And it's weirdly yeah. like it's childish and selfish, but it's also so like I don't know. It's 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 there's a weird comfort to it. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know. I know we sort of went roundabout there. Uh, I I don't know. This movie, to be perfectly honest, uh, blew me away a lot more than I was expecting it to. I love Kevin Klein. Kevin Klein's one of my oh, favorite actors. Never misses. Um, honestly, I was just looking at his filmography, and I, I, I always forget the last thing he's really credited for these days is Bob's Burgers. Oh, okay. He's Mr. Fish Odor. He's done it all in 38 episodes, and he was in the movie. He's the landlord. 
Okay. Uh, but I've like, never actually watched Bob's Burgers. Oh my God, Joe! Good things about it. You would. I, I think that's up your list. alley. Yeah. You know, with all the time you have, and make know, exactly. make a Bob's Burger video, and uh, then you'll have <laughs> make the, it make it work, and it'll be good. Yeah, you'll be good. Uh, man, th- there's a there's a series about like working, which is weird. Anyway, um, but I'm trying to think of like before that. God, was the last thing I saw Kevin Klein in Beauty and the Fucking Beast? He plays the dad, I think. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, I didn't mind Beauty and the Beast. It's, I think it's the best of the terrible Disney live-action remakes. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of because, like, I was introduced to him obviously with his film prior to this, Fish Called Wanda. Um, yep. That movie, uh, I, I, I still quote today, like in comment, like if I'm mad at something, I'll just be like disappointed. Like, I'll, like I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll scream that, and people are like, "What the fuck." Um, but he's done so much and I, I, I need to go back and actually like, I feel like I've missed out on a lot of his stuff just cause I haven't been paying attention. Wild, wild west back in the day. Inside out or in, yep. In and out. In and out. In yep. and out. Yeah. Um, That's a pretty good one. yeah, because I'm trying to think before Dave, he, he just came off the fish called Wanda cause he won, he won the Oscar for fish called Wanda. Mm. Anyway, the, the dude's filmography is nuts. And, and I think. If Ivan Reitman is the is the sort of like built the house that this movie is, honestly, uh, Kevin Klein is is the is the person that made it a home. Oh, <laughs> I like that. Uh, and again, not not. Uh, it's funny. Uh, the Ving Rhames moment that you mentioned before does tie that home together. Like it, 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 there's that character goes on a journey between like just being like this is bullshit. Why are we doing this? Sees Dave that is making something better, and then has yeah. an emotional line about yeah. like the joke is like Dave asked him would he take a bullet for him, uh, and I think in the in the beginning of the movie he's like yeah it's my job or like whatever he says something very specific, but then near the end he admits. so so there he makes him a sandwich, so so that's right. part of it is that is that like this Ving Rhames plays this this. Um, Secret Service guy for this asshole president mm-hmm. who literally throws the dog's leashes as soon as he's outside of the camera's yep. view. And a uh, guy probably never even knew his name or gave him a second glance or whatever. So then so then he's got Dave, good guy, and they're in the kitchen and Dave's making a sandwich and he makes a sandwich for for Ving Rames's character. And he's like, Oh, okay. He's kind of like confused by this. But he's asking about it, he's like, So you you're in the so you're in the Secret Service. So like you you would take a you would really take a That's bullet right. for the president? Yeah. Like I've always heard that, and he's like, "Yeah, that's my job, you know." And and then he goes, "So I guess you take a bullet for me." And and, and you can see Ving Rhames like, uh, "Right, I don't know about this, you know, do I have to or whatever?" And uh, but there's another moment later where um, Dave is kind of like he's got a, a, a folder or a, a photo album where he's like got all these clips of him. He's like gone through newspapers and put uh, like cl- uh, clipped out pictures of himself, but he's going through it, and Ving is. Don't know his name and the the character's, uh, the name, character's but... name. I believe is uh, Dwayne Stevenson. Dwayne, that's right. Okay, so Dwayne's standing there behind him, and instead of like looking at all the pictures of himself, Dave is like, "Oh, here you are. You're in this picture here." And he's like, "Where?" And he's like, "Look." He's like over his shoulder, and he's like, "Oh, and you're over here in the background. You're looking very imposing there, you know." And, and he starts asking, "He's like, have you ever? Do you always wear that? Do you ever thought about getting a turtleneck?" And he's like. I think a turtleneck would make my neck look too. Thick. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, they have and, a human so conversation. Like, yeah, very a human conversation. And then, yeah. So the 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 big moment at the end is after Dave kind of like makes his escape, and he's they're in a at the in the cab of a an ambulance, 
and uh, they're kind of saying goodbye to each other. And he's like, well, hey, you know, been, been fun and everything. And he kind of shakes hand and, and Bing Rame says, I would have taken a bullet for you. Yeah. And it's just like waterworks. Oh my God, it's so good. And, yeah. It, yeah. It, it's quite good. The way that the movie sort of uh, resolves itself is, I, I this will be the last thing we'll sort of talk about, I think like plot wise. And then there's, there's, is it one element or two elements? Two elements that I think I have issue with the film. I know I've been okay. just heaping praise onto it beforehand, <laughs> but I want to be, uh, you know, both fair and balanced TM. Um, <laughs> so, so we report, they decide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like like common sane people. Um, yeah. So uh, basically, to get sort of out of it, I'm trying to remember this entirely because by this point, I'm just sort of like emotionally invested in the mechanics. Don't really matter to me in the film. But basically, because the president is still in a coma and Dave needs to get out, uh, they what is it? He acts as though he has another heart attack during yeah. uh during oh when he oh. The the uh, Frank Langella's character uh, uh, frames the vice president, who turns out played by Ben Kingsley, to be like a really good guy uh, yeah. for all of these crimes that the president and Frank Langella and David uh, Kevin Dunn did. Uh, and then uh, Dave comes out and admits that it was actually the president and and not the vice president who did this, but also that Bob Alexander and Alan Reed yeah. were involved. Um, so, so I feel like, sorry, just real quick. Yeah. I think I think we need to lay out exactly what Frank Langella's character is trying like, to do. Trying to do what he wants to do is get the vice president removed, and then have the president like fake his actual death. Wait, no, no, no. Get the have vice Dave president removed. Death. Get the vice president removed. Have Dave install Frank Langella as the vice president. Yes. And then when when Dave actually the president actually has his heart attack and dies, then Frank Langella becomes president. So he's trying to make himself president. Yes. So what he's doing is he's framing the vice president with all these scandalous things that he actually did. And when Dave gets wind of it and realizes what's going on, that's how he makes his escape. He, so, so like, um, I don't know. He tries to fire him. He yeah. fires Frank Langella. Yep. And so Frank Langella like pins all this stuff on him. Mm hmm. And so it becomes this whole scandal for the first time. Everybody's like, oh, President Mitchell involved in the scandal and everything. And then he goes up and does a joint session of Congress. And that's where he, in front of everybody and the cameras and all of Congress, like fakes a heart attack. Well, he admits and to he, this is this is the weird part. This is one of my two sort of problems with the emo, with okay. the with the um, moral center of this film. Uh, he goes up and not only clears vice president, the vice president Nance's name. Yeah. But while implementing uh, Bob, Frank Langella, he also admits to all of yes. Mitchell's wrongdoings. Granted, that Mitchell did, but Dave did is yeah. admitting that Mitchell did it because Dave is playing President Mitchell. So, like, you get this moment of selflessness. That's what the movie, it feels like. Like, Dave's doing another selfless thing, but all he's doing <laughs> is really like just being like, yeah, the dude I'm pretending to be is a dick. And granted, he has a plan to stop pretending to be that man. So yeah. it's a good thing and it's a right thing, but it's not like a big moral standing thing and they play it as that in a weird way. So like there's this having its cake and eating it too moment of that particular mm -hmm. sequence. Then he, of course, fakes his heart attack. They swap again. And the president, uh, the real president, does eventually die. Dave goes back to his regular life, and Vice President Nance becomes the president, and he right. is a good man. Um, right. As far as we know, he has no idea that that whole switcheroo ever happened. Exactly. 
Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and the interesting thing there, this is the other thing I didn't love. So they, they, the, the joke, the, this is, I think, um, they do this in the trailer and I was like, oh, this is shitty. Uh, <laughs> they're like, uh, when they're, when they're laying out the plan for Dave, when Frank Langella and Kevin Dunn are laying it out and they're like, he's like, what about the vice president? Like, oh, the vice president's insane. He's a loose cannon. He's terrible. It's just a shot of Ben Kingsley, like holding a bunch of African artifacts. Yeah. And like that's supposed to be like he's fucking nuts. But like they sent him on a trip, like a goodwill ambassador trip to get him out of the way so they could frame him. And I like it's weird with all those things are put together. I'm like, ah, fuck off, guys. Like I just I, I, I hate that like that's the imagery for like, oh man, he's fucking crazy. I'm like, just whatever. What, because he's holding African stuff? Yeah, like that in the trailer. Okay. In yeah, the yeah. trailer, that's how they do a quick, like, oh, look at this Looney Tunes guy. And you're like, okay, like, whatever. Well, they um, have like half a second to try I know, to convey listen, I'm, I understand things after me. I'm, 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 I'm nitpicking here, Joe. This is I what know, I'm I doing. And then, but then the and last thing. It's the trailer, not the actual movie. I know, I know. And the last thing, the last thing that I think is as comfortable as they could make it is the, is the romance. <laughs> <laughs> between oh, Dave yeah. and Ellen Mitchell, the president's wife. Uh, yeah. She starts falling for Dave after she realizes he's not him. It is unclear. Yeah. Okay. So the hopeless romantic that I used to be when I watched this movie, mm -hmm. I loved that they got together in the yep. end when she yep. goes and visits him in the very last scene. Uh, although I do really like at the very, very last shot, Dwayne kind of yeah. shows up as the secret service guy. But, um, but now as an older, more cynical person, I kind of wish they had just let that be. Yeah. Cause it does feel a little tacked on. It feels tacked on. And it's just, it's again, I, I, this movie is us wishing for simpler times when this would weirdly make sense to our younger selves. <clears throat> right. But when you do it, it's like, okay, so look. She was in a loveless marriage. She hated her husband. Cool, cool. Mm -hmm. But you also have a bunch of history with that husband. You're the first lady to him being the president. And now you're... And the way I tried to play it in my head <laughs> was she must have fallen in love with him at some point. Yeah. So maybe Dave is reminding her of who Mitchell was before he became a prick. And that's kind of the way that she falls, but then you have to go into the thing. Well, is that then fair to Dave? <laughs> I mean, it's it's like it's like if it's like if if a buddy of yours got married to somebody that looked exactly like his mom, or 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 got divorced and then married somebody that looked exactly like his ex or something. That's right. And you're yeah. and you're kind of like, should I say something? Yes. Yeah. That's weird. yeah. Uh, so, but I do like the idea that maybe. Bill Mitchell was a good guy once upon a time, but then he got so caught up in the, mm -hmm. in the web of, you know, politics that he got twisted. That never gets expressed no. in the movie necessarily, but uh, I, was I like that idea. I liked this movie so much that I was trying to come up with contrivances that made <laughs> me somewhat more comfortable with the fact that Dave ends up with Ellen Mitchell. Mm -hmm. uh, which yeah, the, no, I, I mean, I don't think the movie necessarily needs the romance part of it. It does. But I like that she becomes like a co-conspirator with him. Yes. I think that relationship is good. I I really something that I think we are actually now I'm gonna get on a soapbox for a second as we wrap things up. Something I think that is actually missing in a lot of cinema uh is platonic relationships 
Mm. Um, in general, not only just between uh, members of opposite sexes or, or or whatever, but like, how cool would it be to just have Ellen Mitchell and Dave like actually care about each other, but like not make out at the end? Like, yeah. it, like, like, and maybe maybe he inspires her in her post first lady part of her life to do some charity work or start some campaign yeah, like, of some kind. There's, you know? Yeah, there's a bunch of different sort of things to to, <clears throat> to do. And, and to the point where like he even while he's pretending and she's doesn't we don't know if she's like in on it yet, uh she he starts doing charitable work for uh for I believe it is is it homeless shelters? Uh for children. Uh, that was going to be cut from the budget. He like does yeah. a tour, and then like the bad guys, without letting him know, cut the budget. Then she gets mad yeah. at him, or whatever. And, da, da, da. and that's when she berates him in the shower. Yeah, and he turns around and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. god, she's looking at my wee wee." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> how will she know? Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I just I I wish that there was more opportunity for because it seems like whenever there is a, a woman and man non-romance they are always related like it's a brother or sister mm. or an, oh, yeah, like yeah, whatever yeah. and i'm just yeah. like people can just be fucking friends man like you can have a thing like you can have a like a deep care for someone and not i don't know it's just i yeah. i notice this consistently and uh actually well, I think you know, it is a it's a product of its time a little bit yeah in, in yeah, yeah yeah it's funny. Something I really uh, enjoyed about the latest Guardians movie. I don't know. Did you see three? I won't spoil something. I just watched it last week. Actually. Okay. Yeah. I really like where they ended up with Quill and Gamora. Because oh, that yeah, is something yeah. that's almost like a uh, minor spoiler there. But like that's almost like what I feel like a healthier version of the, the Dave and Ellen relationship like might be. Like mm -hmm. one person has feelings that are based on good or bad that are based on another person that isn't there anymore, but they're the same person. Like there's a mm -hmm. weird, there's a whole bunch of psychology there. That is a weird connection there. That's, yeah. Uh, yeah that's, right. That's a good point. Anyway. Yeah. No, I, I told, I'm, I'm totally with you. I think if they had dropped the, the love, I think, you know, it might, it's got to be a four quadrant movie. It's yeah. Gotta be comedy. It's got to be politics. It's got to be romance, you know, reach yeah. all the different you know people. Um, but yeah, I, I would, I would make that a minor, a minor yeah, thing. Again, I'm, I'm not trying to dissuade anyone from watching Dave if they already haven't. Uh, I, I absolutely love this movie. I'm super thankful, yeah. uh, that you brought it up and for and now I'm able to sort of enjoy this thing that I knew existed, but it was always in my, <laughs> my, uh, my uh, periphery. It was never sort of right yeah. in front of me. Well, um, it's, it's a, it's a forgotten gem. It's a kind of movie that just does not get made anymore at all. And, yeah. and oh, and another thing really quick. Yeah. So there's a, um, when, when Dave meets the president, when they like have that little face off and he like looks him over and he's like, stop smiling. You look like a schmuck. Yeah. You know, but, but there's, there's a scene where it like the shot starts behind Dave and it kind of like does this, this, um, like rotation. Circle, but yeah. What's the word? track it tracks yeah. around him and so like the president is walking up toward him and it kind of tracks around that was if i'm remembering correctly that was the first time that specific effect had ever been done really yeah huh. where it was like digitally composited in there like uh, it, that, uh, you know they've been doing split screens since freaky friday back in the 60s and whatever you know like that's always been a thing but the fact that they yeah they like, tracked around us so it was like a motion control camera and they digitally composited the, the two like going together. And then at the end, the president walks away and it kind of turns around with yeah. them and follows them. Huh. So like 
So that was like this digital compositing technique that had never been done before. And my question is like, that was a period of time where you could see a groundbreaking effect in a comedy. Yeah. In just a straight up comedy. Yeah. It wasn't an action movie. It wasn't any big scene or anything, but they tried something new. I mean, uh, the, some of the best VFX are the ones that we we do not notice. Uh, yep. Shout out to all the VFX workers. Uh, please continue down what I believe Disney has started <laughs> and unionize yourselves. Um, yeah. Anywho. Hey, this has been the only podcast about the <laughs> film Dave. Joe, thank you so much for coming on and chatting and, and, and reintroducing this movie to me. I always love talking to you, dude. Uh, where can folks find all of the fantabulous things you do on the internet based on all the things that you are doing behind the scenes in your life and not just for enjoyment? Oh, <laughs> okay. So I actually have a fairly new website. Um, it's thatjoescott.com. Okay. Uh, because as I want to kind of do things outside of YouTube, I kind of felt like I needed to have a, a web address that wasn't just the YouTube name. So mm -hmm. it's that Joe and it's got all the stuff there. And uh, yeah, I'll just point people to that. Awesome. Next week. I don't know what film we're doing. Uh, Shahir mentioned something. He texted me. I'm going to look it up and see if this <laughs> is, you can email us in at only podcast at gmail.com uh, and let me know if this interests you. Uh, uh, the eight mountains apparently is a film that he wants to do. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm traveling, uh, I'm doing some PAX West things, so I don't have time to go to the cinema. Apparently that just got to streaming. So if that interests you, email us in, let me know. Um, until next week. Hey, you know what? <laughs> Wait, I got it. Oh my God. I got it. Joe, all yes. we have to do <laughs> to be able to enjoy ourselves in our childlike wonder that we've been trying to get back to is find humans that look exactly like us to just do our job for us and not ask to be compensated. <laughs> Wait, do we have to be in a coma? Maybe I didn't figure this hmm. out. Hmm. Coma might be pretty good right now. Actually, actually. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, Wait let's me hope when it's over. Yeah. Well, let's hopefully we can get some rest this week. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.